at the end of the day, I think, you know, storytelling and capturing stories, it's, it's just like you, you're, you're always wanting to discover other people's stories. And I think the importance in that is we really can learn from each other and learn from each other's journeys. And, you know, Happy Place was truly a journey about finding solace in the things that make you happy, the people that really ultimately are the ones who help you through hard times. And so, you know, my message to anyone, like watch the film. Um, it's not just about fly fishing. It's about your mental health and just go out there, find your happy, happy place, find the people who really spark joy in your life and pursue those things. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is powered by theflycrate.com, an online fly shop. Join the Quarterly Fly Club today, your source for all things fly fishing. And wait for it films. For action-packed fly fishing videos and camera-related content, check out Wait For It Films on YouTube or at www.theweightcreativeco.com. And Broken Tippet Fly Company, blog and fishing apparel and accessories. Check them out online at brokentippet.com. You, you, you are listening you are listening you are listening to the fly fishing 97 podcast i'm i'm i was what they call here um an lpn mm-hmm. and yeah like that was at least three and a half four years of my life and it was totally a job that just you know it just sucked the life out of me you know i would just go into work and it would just be so hard you know you're trying to manage so much day to day and i really like i really commend people who are nurses you know my mother-in-law is a nurse and uh just the people i've worked around during that time it's like you really gotta love people you know you really you really gotta have that mental uh space of i'm not doing this for money or for myself i'm doing this to serve the world Mm -hmm. and you know it's not like i didn't have that i didn't go into work every day thinking i could be making more money or like uh whatever but um it just wasn't for me you know like it didn't click and uh yeah it's funny because video has always been something that i've been so interested in it's something i've always pursued uh and it really started way back in high school and um there was this video project that my teacher assigned to me and my best friend and I ended up learning how to use a camera and editing a video. I did it all within a week and we put this thing together. And I just remember like how much work and passion I put into that little project and handing it over to the teacher. He watches it and he's like, and I'll never forget this. He watches it and he finishes and he kind of looks at us and he's like, that was a really good video. And I think I'm actually going to use this for next year's class to show them like how you're supposed to do this project. And I think that that was just like a moment that like clicked in me that was like, this is something I really like, you know, and I, I like something was born that day. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by The Fly Crate. The Fly Crate is an online fly shop where you can save more on flies and gear. Shop between hundreds of unique flies and join the quarterly fly club for hand-picked fly assortments for each season. Exclusively for our podcast listeners, you can save an additional 10% on The Fly Crate by using the code FLYFISH97. 
Go to theflycrate.com and use the code FLYFISH97 at checkout to save 10%. Welcome to this edition of the Flyfish in 97 podcast. Really happy you are joining us this time around. And we're going to do what we just love to do on this show. Can't get enough of it, and that is fine. Passionate people in the fly fishing space, seek them out. Uh, get to know their story, get to know what brings you to the water kind of thing. And uh, day jobs, we talk uh, side hustles and everything in between. Um, grateful tonight to be heading out to Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We're going to talk all things Bow River and video. We've got Gary Lewis on the line, who's an avid fly fisher, video creator, and he's doing some good things in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Gary, thanks for uh, spending some time with us on the water today, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me on the show today. It's my pleasure. So let's start um, at the beginning. I always like to kind of rewind, and I know you and I just had a quick little chat before we started hitting record, but um, sounds like fly fishing maybe hasn't been around that long, but why don't you walk us through your story? Um, How did you come to find it? Yeah, Mark. So, yeah, like you said, and like I previously mentioned, fly fishing is quite a new uh, sport or hobby for me, you know, I'm, uh, I only just picked it up, I would say four ish years ago, maybe three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty, when it comes to like hobbies or picking things up, uh, I can get kind of, my wife would say obsessive <laughs> about <laughs> it. I would say, uh, passionate, but yes, um, I like that. You know, like before fly fishing, I was really into something called one wheeling. And it's like this electric skateboard that's got one wheel and you can get around everywhere. And I really loved that for a little bit. And before that, I was golfing and I was really crazy about golfing. Hmm. Um, But, you know, like fishing has kind of always been uh, a hobby connected to my past. You know, my uh, and I'm guessing a lot of people could relate to this too, but, uh, you know, my dad, when we were, when we were kids would take us out, um, and we would go out to the lakes and, you know, being an immigrant, he, he didn't know much other than like catching and targeting stockies in the lakes. Right. Right. But to me, those days were really, um, there was just some, uh, there was a purity to it, you know, and there was a joy uh, to the connection. You know, w- we had some rough years, my dad and I, in my teenage years, but those years as a kid going fishing, there was an innocence um, and maybe just like a longing to connect to. Um, hmm. And so fast forward to the future, uh, I'm, you know, I'm a father of two and uh, I'm holding my my daughter. She, I think, was around a year old at the time. And uh, I'm giving her a bottle. It's probably like super early in the morning and I'm just flipping through YouTube videos and uh, I started kind of getting interested in fishing again. So all these fishing videos started to pop up and, uh, you know, lo and behold, a fishing film kind of went through the recommended uh, uh, videos mm-hmm. and I gave it a watch. And to me, like fly fishing had always, you know, I'd see people doing it on the rivers and um, I would always associate it with like, an old person's hobby, (laughs) you know, like Mm -hmm. this is what old people do. And, uh, you know, I'm only into the spin gear or whatever. And like, uh, but I watched this film and I was just absolutely mesmerized by the sport. Mm -hmm. Uh, just seeing, you know, 
what's that word? The entomology, the the bugs, yep. right? Yep. Yep. And just and you know matching the hatch, all of those concepts, and really giving uh, you know trout the benefit of the doubt. You know, I I, I used to think like fish were kind of uh, you know a stupid animal, but then you kind of dive into it and you realize these things have some sort of instinct to you know you know to breed, one to eat, one to hide, one to you know their their mating seasons and uh they're they're quite they're quite smart and it, it really like changed my perspective mm-hmm. on on fishing as a whole so yeah there I was on this couch and watching this film thinking like oh my goodness this is actually super interesting this is something i really need to get into and uh you know a couple weeks later i actually sold that one wheel electric skateboard i mentioned earlier and using the money uh that i got from that i, I went and bought a whole bunch of fly fishing gear i'm talking like waders and a starter <laughs> fly kit uh you know flies you name it i was just asking the guy at the store like what do i need to start and you know he hooked me up with everything i needed i love that feeling when you go into a fly shop and you kind of you've kind of discovering you're in the process of discovering your passion and then it's like the world is your oyster it's like that overwhelming feeling when you i still feel that to this day when i walk into a fly shop it's like okay mm-hmm. here we go <laughs> that visa is yeah. going to get hot. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know? hmm. it's it is it's you know yeah it's funny that you mentioned the feeling walking to that shop. Uh, I just remember feeling just so excited, and there were so many unknowns. Like I'd look around the store and I'd be like, "What is that? You know, what's that tool? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what are those reels?" And they're all flashy, and like I'm looking at all these really cool waiters, and there's just this like anticipation of like what am i getting into and uh the excitement of knowing like where it's gonna take me right Mm -hmm. uh being being such an outdoor heavy sport so yeah so tell me obviously you're you're watching youtube you know hanging out with your daughter you see this vid and you're like okay that looks interesting but name some names like is is there anybody you know obviously sounds like your dad got out with you a lot all those Mm -hmm. years ago but who would you cite as influences on your fly fishing journey? Yeah. Um, it's funny because, uh, well, there are some very personal relationships that I have, but, you know, it, it did start online, right? Like it was all, all these videos. Uh, the film that really got me into it was uh, by a husband and wife couple uh, in the States called Tight Loops. And, uh, yeah, Chase and Amy are incredible. Oh, sorry, we got a airplane flying through is that too loud no no it's good no it's funny because uh the way the influences in my fly fishing journey they really started online um you know starting with that film it was a actually a husband wife duo called uh tight loops chase and amy they're down from the states so they produced this film called the big land and it was their you know big adventure out to newfoundland uh to chase brookies or labrador i should say and yeah, that was super incredible. And just like watching their films really made me, uh, really inspired me, uh, you know, film wise, but also just seeing their techniques and how they fish. Um, you know, Dave and Amelia Jensen, they're actually from Alberta. They, they do a lot of more like tutorial type videos on YouTube and super great. Like the, the wealth of knowledge they offer people is just so incredible. And I actually learned a lot watching them and you know it's kind of like they say when you're you're learning a sport uh you can learn it a lot faster when you watch it right um yeah yeah so like watching that has been really good uh but then you know there came a point uh in my my fly fishing journey where i was 
kind of hitting a ceiling and the bow is a really tough river, you know, like if you fished on it, it's, it can be a lights out kind of day or you're just like not catching anything. You, you think it's the worst river in the world. Um, and I was, I was just getting stuck all the time. Right. So, uh, there was a Facebook group. I kind of asked for help, reached out to the community here and, uh, wouldn't you know, it's some, uh, guide reached back and was like, Hey, you know what? Like I got a free day. You can hop onto my drift boat and I can teach you a few things. Um, and it just so happens, uh, that this individual actually, uh, was on your show. His name is Scott, uh, from Bow River Fly Fishing I Company. knew it. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw you did a vid for, uh, Bow River, I, uh, Fly Fishing Company. I, he was an amazing guy to chat with. Very passionate. Yeah. Very passionate. And honestly, like a heart of gold, like, yeah. um, I'm, I'm like just so thankful to this day, um, to have that opportunity to, you know, with him on the river, just offering me like a half day on his boat, uh, to teach me things. You know, he taught me how to cast. He taught me a little bit about reading water and he taught me about like the bugs and like matching the hatch and all of that stuff. And this is all stuff that was just like blowing my mind, you know? Um, and you know, wouldn't you have it? We, we ended up having an amazing day on the river, right? Like I, I think I caught, over a dozen fish and you know we i just remember this one moment we sat on this corner and i was dropping my nymphs it was early early spring and i was dropping my nymphs into this hole and it would fall into the bucket and we were just hooking up like every cast and i'm i'm ecstatic i'm like this is fly fishing this is amazing and scott's kind of like simmer down you know like this is a good day sometimes you know it's not like this the fish move you kind of had to simmer my expectations, but you know, it was, it was a great day. So Scott, Scott's been a really big uh, influence in my fly fishing journey. You know, he's taught me a lot. And even the other guys, uh, Luke and Kevin, who, who work with Scott there, they're mm-hmm. just amazing guys, you know, and, uh, you know, they'll take me onto their boat every now and then and, and teach me a couple new things and, you know, where to target as the season changes. Uh, the super great guys. I love, I love, the angle that Scott came at fly fishing in general, like it's super inclusive and just cause there's always a spot on my boat. Just come on out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just, to, it's funny. Like when you meet somebody that is that welcoming and kind of, I don't know. It's, I, I find it quite overwhelming actually. I've, I'm actually looking at a <laughs> thank you card on the wall that I put all these up sometimes once in a while, I get a little card from people that were on the show and I got one from Scott here. <laughs> But uh, that's the type of guy he is, you know, thoughtful guy. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So talk to me about um, the type of uh, fishing you're doing these days. Are you you focused mostly on the bow, Gary, or um, are you all over the place? Gee, uh, well, the great thing is, uh, you know, not recently, but we, we purchased a home, my wife and I, uh, here in the city in Calgary, and... Uh, the Bow River is only like a five minute drive and that, that could be very dangerous for, <laughs> for, uh, for me and my wife. Cause you know, I'll just disappear in the evening and next thing you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm fishing and she'll be like, where are you? Yeah, um, sounds all but right. it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good spot. And, uh, yeah, the bow is definitely the, the water I'll, I'll, I'll target first. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alberta's got just so many beautiful places and, uh, I've had a fair share of opportunities to go into the mountain streams and down south. Uh, I had a little bit of time in central Alberta as well. 
and uh it's just all great there's so much so much water and there's so many great rivers and a lot of a lot of trout species to target too which is awesome um and of course I'm, i'm saying all of this mark in like the perspective of someone who's new who's like you know, I haven't done this before and I just see the world as my oyster. There's, there's so many places in Alberta I've yet to explore, but yeah, I'd say the bow is, is, is where I would target first, but yeah, believe sure. it or not, I actually really love, uh, still water fishing and, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I, I like to go out and hit some lakes and I know in BC where you are from the, the lake, the still water fishing is pretty unreal, but, uh, there's something about lake fishing and I think it has something to do with my dad taking me out to the lakes um that just gets me you know and it's different did you grow up in calgary or where was home growing up as as kind of like your let's say your you know teen years yeah uh, definitely uh calgary was where i grew up and uh moved around a lot uh, within the city but the great thing about calgary is it's so within reach of all these places you know you drive an hour and you're yeah. in the mountains and uh, there's lakes everywhere. Yeah, it, it you've got lots of options within, uh, you know, I, I think it's that way right down the Rocky Mountain Trench, right? Anywhere close to the Rocky Mountains, you've got kind of like those beautiful rolling kind of, uh, I always think of like the Cranbrook area in BC, obviously on the other side, but similar, mm-hmm. right? You know, in, in 20 minutes, half an hour, you're in the mountains, but if you go the other way, it's a little flatter and you got these nice ridges and uh, that's where a lot of good still water is too, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And, you know, you get your walleye and your pike, you go east. And, uh, yeah, there's just so much fishing. It's, yeah. it's crazy. I love it. So let's take some time to get to know you in your neck of the woods. So um, let's say you're headed. Now, you might be walking sometimes to the bow, but if you happen to be in the truck, um, yeah. what are you listening to on the way there? Oh, the tunes. Um that's a tough one. I feel like that really depends on my mood, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Like music is so influential on me and my mood, uh, especially like with filmmaking. I think that music really sets the tone and atmosphere in videos and in filmmaking and, and like some of the work that I create. And so like in the same way, when I'm on my way to the river, it kind of like sets the tone of like what, I'm expecting, you know, and, um, I would say I was like stick to kind of the indie acoustic folk stuff, kind of the music that makes you want to go camping, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, sometimes when I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a rock star, I'm going to have a good day on the water. And then I flip on my like really hype fishing playlist that is, it's actually all licensable music for films. Um, <laughs> That's, you know? that's funny well that's yeah. your that's your wheelhouse yeah yeah so i you know really hype myself up and get myself out there and it wouldn't you know it, it i'm fishing better <laughs> do you, okay so do you find that when you're listening to those tunes because i know exactly what you're talking about it's yeah. amazing how that right piece of music will move the content move the video so when you're listening to that mm-hmm. do you sometimes in your mind go okay i could see this music or this song is part of a part of this and you know you can license it right so why not yeah yeah it kind of makes it easy right it's like well i was listening to this and it was a pretty lights out day and this music was pretty lights out so i'm just gonna pick it it's Hmm. gonna work it's gonna work with the beat and the cadence and yeah yeah (laughs) sometimes it doesn't though (laughs) 
Where, where can I ask you where you get that? Like, is there a certain um, streaming service or because um, I, I have done dabbled with that, obviously on an amateur level, but I always mm. wonder where you guys find the incredible music because I, I know you can buy a lot of things, um, you know, music wise. But is there like a, an app for that or what do you use for that? Yeah, I, I actually use a website called Musicbed, um, and it's a it's a pretty popular uh, website for licensing music, especially among like the uh, I don't know the higher tier like filmmakers and a, a lot of the music that's listed on the website. Right. They kind of tell you like where it's been used, right? Like they'll be used in Nike commercials or like big name cars. Hmm. Um, so really good stuff, but you do end up having to, you know, pay the price for the quality of the music. But, yeah, fair. Uh, you know, if it's quality music you're looking for, then there it is. Right. Is there like, are they all different prices? I'm, I'm just, I know I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but I'm really curious. Like, is it like 99 oh, yeah, cents? Is Are we talking like a hundred bucks? Are we talking? Yeah. I think it like varies. Like if you're, if you're doing like a single song, um, uh, payout, I guess. Uh, it just it depends on like where the video, or you know where the song is being used. So if it's like a podcast, or if it's like mm-hmm. a personal video versus like a, a video for a business or like a big brand, you know. So I think they'll kind of like scale it according to what the purpose of the video is. So yeah. the same song might be worth like fifty bucks for something personal, but uh, you know suddenly you're using that song to market for I don't know, let's say Sims. And next thing you know, that song's now worth five hundred dollars for you to license. So I think it depends. <laughs> you just you got to find it first. That's the key, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that takes a very long time. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, what's a go-to pattern for you on the bow? So I mean, I'm sure it varies season to season. Season, sorry, I'm sure it varies season to season. Whether the you know the hoppers are out or um, what? What's a pattern you go to more often than not? A pattern I go to the most here on the bow, I would have to say that I'm always probably reaching for uh, like a black leech or like a black woolly bugger. Um, And even if I don't start off the day with that, I find myself, uh, you know, eventually putting it on if if the day is slow. It's just so versatile, you know, right? Like, uh, like a balanced leech can be fished as a leech or you can kind of tug on it and jig it and yeah. pull it a bit like a streamer. Um, and it's lightweight enough that I can put it under a hopper or if I wanted to drop it down into a hole and nymph it, I could. Like it's just such a versatile fly and it it can imitate so many different things uh, throughout the season, right? And and different different bugs. So I really, I really like that a lot. Um but lately, I've been using uh, like a caddis pupa. That's been pretty good for me l- the last two seasons. And uh, I feel like, and I might be wrong, like, you know, reading the bow and being so new, but like, I feel like the bow has a lot of caddis, right? Like more caddis than mayflies, than, in my experience, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not on the water every day like some guy, but uh, so, anyways, I tend to like fish the caddis pupa a lot as well. Um, and that seems to work. Like it, it produces a lot of really good fish for me. Yeah. Well, makes sense, especially this time of year, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Huh. Is there a place you go to get your fix on fishing? So, you know, like, is it for you, is it YouTube watching other vids? Is, is there a fly shop locally? When you're not out there on the water, Gary, where do you get your mm-hmm. fix? 
Um, I definitely get my fly fishing fix through videos on YouTube. Um, and that only, that not only, you know, quenches my thirst for fly fishing if I can't be on the river, but it also inspires me as a filmmaker, you know, just being able to watch what other content creators are doing and what they're making, um, and, and, you know, learning from them, uh, YouTube is just a, like a really wonderful place and it really, really makes the world of fly fishing really small, you know, and uh, you can see what fishing is like in Colorado or like South America and uh, just kind of want that, you know, and it, it, it makes it, uh, I guess it just grows that hunger to do more and like to see more with fly fishing. Right. Yeah, I get that. Uh, mm-hmm. YouTube is such an amazing source, like for anything. Like uh, I give you an example. I, I I couldn't get the truck bed open on my truck the other day, and I just you know YouTube the issue I was having. Boom, it's right there. <laughs> we're trying to, <laughs> we're trying to build a pool, and I'm like tiki bar, and it's like well you can build this uh, tiki bar out of pallets. I'm like well pallets I got, you know what I mean? Like it's just like I feel like it's a creative source that's uh, it's just mm-hmm. at your fingertips now, and it's it's wild. Yeah, they don't call it YouTube University for nothing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's yeah. talk sports. Are you a sports guy at all? So being in Calgary, I assume you're you're loyal yep, to the local, local clubs. But um, throw them out there. Who, who are you cheering for? Yeah, believe it or not, I'm not really a big sports guy. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I, I just, tr- you know, I try to get into sports. And I know in, like, high school, which is forever ago, uh, you know, I did some sports then and played a bit. But uh, I never really just like got into it. But don't get me wrong, like the the camaraderie camaraderie part of it is really cool. And I know if you're from Calgary, you're you know you got to be a Flames fan, right? But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it's kind of like given with your your membership here, I guess. But yeah, it's it's never been big for me. But I love going to like a Flames game and you know get me and a few of my buddies uh at the flames you know the, the saddle dome and you know we're having a few beers and just some snacks and we're watching the game there's like there's something about the atmosphere that really gets me everyone's just having fun we're cheering and like the booming of the, the people cheering and yeah, it, yeah. I, I love watching sports with other people but uh as far as like following it on my own it's not really ever something i haven't gotten myself into hmm. I'm like that with baseball. It's like I don't really watch it on TV, but for whatever reason, no matter what major city in the States we're at, I usually go to a ball game, and I can't explain it. It's just kind of like it's so chill, right? You just sit around, and mm-hmm. you can you can still talk. You, it's not like I feel like when I watch hockey and football, it's like, okay, let's go. But baseball, yeah. there's you can breathe a little bit, you know? Yeah, there's a bit of a, a relaxation to it. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, um Let's talk jobs. Let's talk. Um, I don't even know yeah. what your day job is. We haven't even gone there yet. Now we know we're, you're you're doing this video creating. Uh, you're out there fly fishing when you can. But what's really paying the bills day to day? Yeah. So uh, I am actually a filmmaker uh, full time, wow. and um, yeah, it's it, my wife and I. We actually run a wedding photography and film film business. Um, and we've been doing that for about five years now, and we made it official in 2020. Uh, you know, we both <laughs> left our yeah. That's like, a tough. A that's a tough time to come into it, right? Yeah, what a good good year for uh, you know quitting your jobs and going into business, right? Oh, um, 
but it, you know, it turned out to be quite a good year for us. And, uh, hmm. yeah, it was really a turning point in our careers, just kind of realizing, you know, this is something we can do for work, you know, is to create, uh, to create art, I guess you could say. And, yeah. uh, you know, before, before I was a, a filmmaker, I was actually a nurse. So I was, oh, wow. Uh, a nurse full time. I'm, I'm, I was what they call here um, an LPN. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like that was at least three and a half, four years of my life. And it was totally a job that just, you know, it just sucked the life out of me. You know, I would just go into work and it would just be so hard. You know, you're trying to manage so much day to day. And I really like, I really commend people who are nurses. You know, my mother-in-law is a nurse and uh, just the people I've worked around during that time. It's like, you really got to love people. You know, you really, you really got to have that mental uh, space of I'm not doing this for money or for myself. I'm doing this to serve the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not like I didn't have that. I didn't go into work every day thinking I could be making more money or like, uh, whatever, but, um, it just wasn't for me, you know, like it didn't click and, uh, yeah, it's funny cause video has always been something that I've been so interested in. It's something I've always pursued. Uh, and it really started way back in high school and, um, there was this video project that my teacher assigned to me and my best friend. And I ended up learning how to use a camera and editing a video. I did it all within a week. And we put this thing together. And I just remember like how much work and passion I put into that little project and handing it over to the teacher. He watches it and he's like, and I'll never forget this. He watches it and he finishes and he kind of looks at us and he's like, that was a really good video. And I think I'm actually going to use this for next year's class to show them like how you're supposed to do this project. And I think that, that was just like a moment that like clicked in me that was like, this is something I really like, you know, and I, I like something was born that day. And uh, yeah, you know, despite the career changes, you know, going into nursing and like trying to pursue other jobs and different careers, uh, video has always been like something I'd fallen back to. I, I find it fascinating how often people, you know, it's, it's right in front of your face. And if you look back in your history, like your personal mm-hmm. history, your job history, your school history, the answer mm-hmm. is always there. You just don't always see it, right? So it's that that moment that you're like, you just feel motivated. It's like, oh God, this is another level. It's another gear I never knew I had. Well, maybe I should make a career out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like rather than putting something in a box. And I, 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 I find that when you look back on your career, it was right there the whole time, probably. And, you know, and you and you went, well, I got to pay the bills. I got to do this, but. Maybe not. Maybe there's a way you can do what you love to do and make a living at it. Yeah. And I would say like, and this isn't a wrong way to think, but, you know, sometimes playing it safe doesn't always make you happy. And, you know, I'm not saying like you should always take risks and like, you know, people have bills to pay and, you know, I have two little ones now and I have mouths to feed, but um, you know, at least for me, looking back, I can, I can see the decisions I made and it was all kind of like based out of fear. Like I need a, a career that will survive, um, you know, you know, 
about jobs being cut in a society where maybe like there's a recession or something. It's like, I got to have security. So healthcare, there's always going to be need for healthcare. Yeah, that's um, true. You know, like it's, it's like, we're always chasing safety, but hmm. <clears throat> um, sometimes, you, you know, you take that risk in something that really makes you happy and you end up finding like, this is really what I was meant to do. Yeah. That's uh, cool. That's a great quote. I like yeah. that. We're always chasing safety. Well, yeah. and, and, and that's, you know, as parents, that's something we drill into our kids, right? It's like, well, maybe you should, you know, you got to pay the bills. You got to take not, not, not the easy route, but the route that, you know, you're not going to be out of work, you know, but yeah. if, if it yeah. doesn't bring you passion, maybe that's not the right call. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, and I'm learning every day too, right? Like it's, you know, parenthood is its own beast. And, you know, I hope, I hope to God that one day, like I can look at my daughters and, just actually just tell them like, you should be free to do what makes you happy. Yeah. And, you know, my job as a parent is to ensure they feel safe when they make that decision. Oh you know, man, that's a great, that's, I love, that's freaking cute. <clears throat> I love that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You, you hit, you hit a spot with me on that. That's, that's, that's my, yeah, that's my mantra right there. I love it. And, and that's, you know, if your parents can do that for you, great. I mean, a lot of yeah. us didn't have that luxury growing up, right? So, and you kind of come to it on your own terms. Yeah, totally. And and you know what? Like, eh, and it's easy to blame our parents, and it's it's easy for me to blame my parents for you know the decisions I've made and the history I've had. Um, but we like I have to realize they're they're coming from a certain place, right? That's shaped and formed them. My parents are uh, immigrants, you know, and they grew up. Uh, my mom is from the Philippines, and my dad is from East India. And they grew up super poor. And for them, it's like you need the career that solidifies things. You need to make sure that it it's there's always going to be money on the table. And, uh, you know, even if it doesn't make you happy, you have to provide, you know. And that's yeah. that's where they're coming from. And eventually it's funny because, you know, our kids are going to look at us that way too. They're, they're going to have to eventually see the context we came from and realize like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. Know, they taught me this thing or this is why we grew up in this in this way and yeah it you know I, i'm finding very full circle moments every now and then it's yep. interesting yeah well how, how old are your kids now if you don't mind me asking yeah so um uh vienna she is four years old yep. now and isabel is two and a half Right on. Yeah, that's uh, that's good living right there. That's a fun stage too. Right? There's a lot going on. <laughs> that's a on. busy stage. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can barely remember, but I do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm trying to figure this out. Look, okay, so you're talking Philippines and India, and your last yeah. name's Lewis. That uh, that sounds pretty, uh, you know, local to me. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> just so throwing funny, that out. I... Just throwing that out there. I know, right? Like you, you kind of people talk to me on the phone and they're strangers and then we finally meet up and it's like, they're not, I'm not what they expected. This, you know, Gary Lewis and this Brown dude comes up to them and it's like really weird. It's a really funny moment. But yeah, no, I think it has something to do with like, you know, the British coming into India and like yeah. changing names or whatever, stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. And the whole Gary thing was, uh, I think my mom named me after some Filipino pop star. So, ah. uh, that's always go. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Okay, man. So fill in the blank for me, Gary. When you're not fishing or mm -hmm. uh, 
I don't know if you've tied flies yet, but if you know if you're not at the bench, you're out in the water. What are you normally doing? Gee, well, if we're talking like hobbies, if I'm not fishing, then I'm probably playing video games or watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that may be very uninteresting to so many people, but uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of a balanced, right? Like, I, yep. you know, fly fishing is outdoors and, you know, I love to walk and wade and, you know, floating is great too. But like, especially in the wintertime, like I don't, I don't tie flies. Um, I just don't have the time for that. Uh, but I have been out to a few like tying events here in my city and it's very interesting. Like it's, it's incredible what people can create with their hands. And it's just like, wow, you can catch fish with that. You know, like mm -hmm. it's amazing. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like being able to relax and just put my mind somewhere else. That's kind of like what video games does, right? It kind of just transports you to another world and your imagination just goes, you know, wild or whatever. And movies and TV does that too. I love it. So um, let's talk about your, your video creations. Like, I'm I'm really curious. So you said something that kind of stuck in my brain. You're like, you know, I I was on this. What did you call it? A one wheeled skateboard? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. The, so yeah, the one wheel. So so that's you're all in. You're you're doing a deep yeah. dive on that. It's like, uh, okay, this is what I'm doing. And then, yeah. what made you decide to sell that and just throw everything at the the new passion? Yeah. To be quite frank with you, I think that you know, the wife wouldn't have approved me just buying a bunch of gear when I had this one wheel skateboard sitting around. Uh, no, that's not quite it. Uh, it really like, I, I think I, I just knew like fly fish, fly fishing was different. Um, you know, the, the golfing, just seeing like people swinging and like going to a driving range. Yeah, it was okay. It piqued my interest. And the one wheel thing I thought was pretty cool, but there was just something about fly fishing that like really grabbed me. You know, it grabbed my attention. Um, you could even say it had a grip on my, like, soul, right? Like, just the way it mesmerized me. I kind of knew I was going to have to let go of the other stuff if I wanted to pursue this, right? Hmm. Um, and maybe that's why I sold the one wheel, right? Just to kind of jump all in uh, into this thing. And honestly, like, I'm, I'm so glad I did that because, A, like, it 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 financed the initial big purchases that I made. And, uh, you know, not to say that you need to, I just kind of, that's kind of the way I am, right? Like going all in, uh, you know, yeah. with the golfing and the one wheel, but yeah, it just kind of <laughs> like fueled that initial step. And then next thing you know, I was running like, and, and like Mark, I, I bought this stuff. I think it was like, geez, when was this? I think it was in like November, December. So most of our, you know, wow. mountain streams have been shut down. Winter was here. There was snow, uh, you know, ice shelves were forming. This was cold. And like, there I was in the back alley uh, in a sweater. And like, uh, I was casting my flat fly rod. I was practicing in the, in, the, in the alleyway. And I had some neighbors come out and they're just looking at me and they're like, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's winter. <laughs> looking at me all weird but uh but seriously like it, it had such a grip on me uh quite instantaneously the one thing i noticed about your your vids and like you said it's not like you've been doing this for uh, specifically for fly fishing for a uh, crazy amount of time but the names of your vids 
Happy Place, Moments in Spring, Sanctuary on the Bow. Yeah. You can tell that it's coming from a good place, and it's um, sometimes you don't have to work at it when it's, you know what I mean? Like it's just kind of like comes naturally. Yeah. And so, what's next for you with your vids? You got have you got anything you're working on right now, or maybe you're you're working on something on this next trip? What's um, what do you got? Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's been a pretty busy time for me. Uh, you know, my wife and I, in the summertime, we actually, you know, we're working quite a bit, right? Like we're filming weddings, I'd say almost every weekend or photographing them. Uh, and in between those, I'm editing. So the summer is actually quite a busy time. And uh, I've had a few ideas floating around my head of uh, a few stories I maybe want to pursue here locally. Yeah. Um but I can't pull the strings on them yet. I, I feel like I need to talk to a few more people, but you know, my passion has always been, I, I try not to put myself in front of the camera too often. Um, I really just enjoy learning other people's stories. I really enjoy capturing other people and documenting them, you know, just documenting people. Yeah. And that's what this show is all about. Like I totally get that. Yeah. You totally get like you, you must understand the beauty of just realizing you're not the only person on this planet that oh, has a story that matters, right? I'm boring. I, I want to hear other people's stories. Like, like for me, that's uh, and that, I'm like that at a cocktail party or a bar or a, <laughs> I just want to hear what you're doing. I mean, I I know like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, be the conduit for that. And I, th but I'm I'm missing the video part of it. It's just audio which has its own kind of attraction for me because it kind of uses your imagination a little bit, but mm -hmm. you throw music in there and you throw good video. Um, Cause I was watching the way you do it and I can, you can tell when somebody does it professionally versus amateur, like there's the, you can hear the water and the mm -hmm. music. You yeah. know what I mean? There's, there's more than one thing going on. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, the videos you know you're, you're really trying to i guess you could say like inspire for me it's like i'm trying to elicit an emotion out of someone who's watching but i'm also not trying to remove them from what's happening right so if you know if there's a scene and there's water and people are fishing it's like how do you paint this picture how do you immerse someone who's viewing this to almost make them feel like they're there watching this moment happen um and you're doing it very subtly right so you know they're in their living room but they feel like they're on the river with you yeah no exactly that's, you're taking them to that place right yeah that's that's what i'm chasing after you know visually uh, and with the, the audio as well and you have to do it subtly like there's a real a balance to it and you know if you overdo the water if you overdo the music you know, it can kill one thing or the other. Like one thing I learned in video school is that, you know, making videos is uh, like the viewing experience is actually like 70% audio and the rest is video. If your audio is mm. terrible, then, <clears throat> you know, if your audio is terrible, then you can't really watch. You can't sit there if it's, you know, not something you pleasing to your ear. Right. Yeah. Let's get nerdy on equipment. Like, yeah. What do you? Oh, I love this. Yeah. Like, what are you <laughs> shooting with? Like, I'm. I, I mean, I'm sure you're not using iPhones that much or GoPros. Yeah. We're talking. You're yeah. you're dialing this up a notch. I'm sure. What's your go-to camera? Yeah. So my go-to camera now. Uh, I'm not, and I'm not sure if you're like familiar with what's out there today, but I use uh, the Sony FX3. Okay. 
and uh, I love it. Like it's it's everything I could want in a little package. It can fit in like the palm of my hand, um, and it shoots everything in 4K. It can do 120 frames per second slow motion in 4K, which is super great, uh, especially with fishing. You know, if I'm if I'm trying to film and eat, uh, to have all of that resolution and all of that slow motion put together, it's it's really something. Uh, hmm. That's my go-to camera. You know, I, I love going and picking that thing up. You got to love the gear that you use, you know? Like, if you come up to a tool, and, and this doesn't just apply in video, but, like, if you walk up to your tool, your day tools, and you're not happy when you're using them, then you got to change it up, right? And uh, for me, like, that was... I, I used to use a camera called the Pocket Cinema Camera 4K. Okay. And it was a great camera. The image was amazing. I actually shot um, Scott's video on that one. But uh, there was a BTS on my Instagram page of me holding that camera. And this thing is huge. Like, jeez, uh, it's like <clears throat> tip of my finger to my elbow. Like, that's how long it is. Uh, wow. And yeah, it, it was just too big. And especially when you're like fishing and you're running around and it's really running gun having that small package that's lightweight and it's versatile uh, to be able to, f- to move around and to fit into tight spaces and to hold for long periods of time. It's, it's really a really huge benefit. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I, full disclosure, my, my, the digital thing, I'm like uh, sitting in a room where I used to have a dark room and we're talking to Leicas and Nikors and, and oh, <laughs> so, man. so I'm like coming at it <laughs> from such a dinosaur, but um, it's amazing to me what you can do now. And I, I haven't embraced the digital stuff. The minute I, the minute I found you can change it on the computer, it ruined it for me. And I don't know yeah. why, but I just, I, I love that excitement of taking the old Fuji 15, you know, the yeah. bigger the aperture, like the, 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 the longer you could hold that shutter open. Yeah. And then you, it was like, it was like Christmas. You, you, you'd, you'd get in the dark room and you'd start washing it and and it'd be like, Oh crap, this is good. Or you, cause you didn't know, right. You didn't know until you developed it. Now it's like, well, you just delete it, delete, 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 delete. It's instantaneous. Yeah. 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 It's different. And I'm not saying it's worse. It's better. Probably. I'm just, for me, it's like, I don't know why I, I miss that. You know, you even go into like the local London drugs or name your photo developer. You go in there and you get your your pictures and you go through them. Like I, I could rarely leave the counter before I look through them to see that, you know yeah. what I mean? What I had. Totally. But, and you know what the irony is, is like a lot of the digital cameras now we're really like trying to emulate film. So it's like we're going backwards a bit. But yeah. Like, yeah. You know, right. We'll put on like certain things like we'll we'll try and color like it's a film emulation or we'll put on things in front of our glass to make it look like it's blooming like it's a like shot on a film camera like a vintage style lens and it's like yeah it's just funny you know like we're we're shooting on all this modern stuff but we're all trying to like shoot it like it was a camera made 30 40 50 years ago but you, you know what that does? i go back and i look at like ansel adams stuff and i go this is mm. before technology. This is waiting for that perfect moment. This is nature's light. Yeah. There's no messing with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's, you know, a life lesson there. It's just, you know, you're really learning to live in that moment. And uh, that was, that's the beauty in film. Uh, you really just, 
live in that moment you see that frame for a second and you you hit that shutter button and you hope that you captured that um but even if you didn't it's like you were there to experience it and that's take solace in that 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 that's why i think that photography slash videography is so moving to people because we're always living in our head so we're living in the past and the future but almost mm-hmm. nothing's present and a photo's present because it's that moment now you know what i mean totally. it's you can't recapture that it's it's and you know how fast that light changes that's what boggles my mind say you're looking at a sunset every yeah. three seconds it's changing big time yeah right oh yeah yeah, and I totally see that, especially like coming from the weddings world, um, just like how significant it is to capture a moment um, and to freeze it in, in time. Yep. Uh, and, it, and like as far as video, like to be able to play it back is just uh, something special, right? And, and uh, you know, you see that in fly fishing too. You, you'll have these moments in fly fishing that just, hmm. you know, you can't reproduce you know that take that you can't reproduce or like that fish the way it jumps and the way it fights it's all unique and to have a camera there i know that's like a double-edged sword nowadays right like filming <laughs> it all is that it stuff, is right it, it, it totally did, is but you know did it really yeah. happen if you didn't take a pick right yeah exactly you right yeah. it's in my head no one else yeah. can see it we got right. Gary Lewis on the line tonight, avid fly fisher. He's out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, video creator. Check his stuff out on YouTube. Now, where, where do we find you on YouTube? Is it Gary Lewis um, or where do we find your, your vids? Yeah, you can look me up on YouTube with the handle hook and anvil. That's hook, like a fishing hook, and anvil, like a blacksmithing anvil. Where's the anvil coming from in that title? Like, okay, I get the hook yeah. part, but uh, talk to me about the anvil. Well, the anvil has to do with storytelling, you know, and uh, stories being forged through fire. And, you know, a lot of good stories and people's stories are are forged through mm-hmm. tribulations and, and fire, right? So I kind of really like to associate the anvil with that, the storytelling part of hook and anvil. And the hook part is obviously the fly fishing. Uh, I want you to harness your your artistic side here and without the camera and paint us a picture. So your perfect day, Gary, if you're out on the bow or wherever it happens to be, what does that look yeah. like? Like who are you hanging out with? If anybody, um, you know, what's the weather doing? What kind of bugs are popping? What kind of trout are you chasing? What kind of flies are you throwing? Is there something cold to drink? Is there a fire at the end of the day? Paint yeah. Us, paint us a picture. Gosh, my perfect day. Well, for sure, for sure, it would involve fly fishing. Um, you know, nothing, nothing really beats being on a nice, quiet stream in the evening. Uh, the sun is just, you know, bright orange, and caddis are popping off. You're, you're fighting them in your vision. You're swatting them away. But you know, like that's that's what the fish are eating, and they're keyed on that, and they're they're rising to the top. And for me, being alone in that moment, uh, you know, I love fishing with other people, but being alone in in solitude, and just taking that in, all the sounds, the sights, uh, that to me is perfect. You know, and just having that moment to be able to fish alone to recoup, you know, the river is, is therapy. And I'm sure you've heard that so many times on your show, but uh, it really is a time for me to just gather myself and to put all my other thoughts aside and 
yeah, just having an evening on a quiet stream, fishing caddis on the top. I think that that sounds amazing. And for me, I like to end a fishing day. Uh, and this is maybe a little unconventional to some people, but I like to end it with a nice bowl of hot Vietnamese soup. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds, to me, it's always the perfect ending. That's, and oh, that's good. Yeah, there's a shop on the way home uh, that I, I always love to just quickly stop in, grab a bowl, and then come home. Hmm. Sounds pretty good, my friend. I like it. Yeah. Anything anything weird happened to you in your time on the bowl? Um, any crazy wildlife stories or this was weird? Hmm. Nothing weird, but, you know, just a lot of little magical moments, you know. And the bow is an incredible river. Like it, it flows from Bow Lake, which is way past Banff, you know, and uh, I'm forgetting in, like in the national parks there. Yep. Right. Yep. And it's funny because, you know, we've, my wife and I have shot like weddings and elopements at this lake where the river flows from and right. it flows past my house. And uh, it's just beautiful. Like the bow is such a beautiful fishery and you know i'll see moose coming out from the woods down in the lower stretches you know bald eagles um it's just a magical place you know there's really nothing like it uh so i can't speak to any weird moments or or things Mm -hmm. uh but i can attest to the beauty of the bow it's funny i only know the bow from its origin and I don't think, well, I've never been on the Bow River in, in Calgary. It's on my list. It's going to happen. Maybe we'll come bug you or uh, yeah. Scott or uh, somebody out that way. Because, uh, I mean, I know it. It's it, I got to make that happen. But it's amazing to me how much that water changes. Like, I, th- I think of the Columbia, too. Like, I think of where, where right. the Columbia starts and, and where it ends up and how much that changes, you know, from the glacial part of it to that aqua yeah. blue. And then all of a sudden you're coming out all the way down towards Portland. It's like that river changes hundreds of times. And, you know, it it boggles the mind when you really follow a river system through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like where it extends to as well, the bow just, it just keeps going. And uh, Hmm. I guess you also got to think about like the resiliency of the fish that habit, habit, habitat it, right? Like that live in it. Sorry. And, you know, we've we've had a pretty significant flood in 2013 i believe that really changed the system um and it was for a little while you know it was grim looking grim but uh you know the trout are still here and this season has been incredible so far just from my personal experience and seeing other people uh fishing and you know how the guides are doing it's it's been incredible you know and the fish are are strong and they're fighting good man and when you come out here you know, be prepared to fight. Have yourself a good fight with a nice Bow River, Bow River Rocket, they call it. <laughs> what what kind of percentage, like, are you catching browns and bows, or is it mostly bows for you? Uh, I would say it's mostly bows, and I think that's just because the bows, they they outnumber the browns like five to one. I think there was a, a research, stu- research study done, and they typically outnumber the browns five to one. Hmm. But, you know, that's not to say if you want to target browns, like most people would venture to say, and this is kind of a, a little tip, I guess, if you make your way out to the bow, but uh, if you want to target some Browns, then definitely venture your way into the city, the city stretch. Um, hmm. The bows really like 
the lower stretch and I find a lot of them are out there, but you'll get a good brown in the lower stretch as well. But yeah, they definitely they st- they definitely stay in that city stretch. So those browns are urban, you're telling me. They are, man. Yeah. I'm I'm looking at some stickers on the wall that your your buddy Scott sent me. And uh, so he's got this tank, right? And it's in in a brown, in the rainbow, uh, sorry, not a rainbow, in a brown trout color. He's got this train that's in a brown trout color. Yeah. (laughs) You've seen them, right? You know them. Oh, man. Yeah, I know them. I've got a good handful of them, too. They're amazing. What what an artist, that guy. Yeah. Yeah. What's in the glass tonight, out of curiosity? Uh, I am drinking out a, a can of Bow Valley Lager. Just a nice little evening beer to relax. Uh, the weather's been good today, and you know our conversation just kind of calls for it. Giddy up. Why don't we talk about your latest video, uh, Happy Place? So first off, I think I got a feeling where your happy place is, but uh, <laughs> yeah. maybe it's the bow. Talk to me about the uh, the making of this video, Gary. Yeah. Um, so Happy Place really started out as a uh, a creative endeavor, if that makes any sense. But, you know, at this point in my in my fly fishing journey, um, you know, Scott, Luke and Kevin from the Bow River Fly Fishing Company that I've mentioned before, they, you know, they've become friends at this point. And I, I approached the boys and I'm like, hey, guys, you know. I love filming and I love fly fishing. I'd love to put those two things together. Can I make a film? Does anyone want to be the subject? And uh, Luke, who is the main subject of Happy Place, he kind of perked up and he said, I'd love to help you out, man. And just let me know what you need. Uh, you know, and production started in 2022 uh, in the spring. And it was just me and Luke. We sat in front of the camera and we just talked. And um, at the time, like Happy Place, I had this vision in my head of it being like a, a film about balancing life. You know, uh, Luke's story is that he's actually a plumber during the off season guiding. And, uh, you know, he's a husband and he has three daughters and it's like, man, I could really like talk about this, like work life balance and like finding identity. And I just kind of had this like picture in my mind. Um, but we shot this interview, like this first interview and, the tension really wasn't there for Luke when it came to like the work-life balance, you know, like he was pretty happy with like finishing plumbing and then he'd go guide and, and you know, he'd come home, he'd be a dad, he'd be present. Like that wasn't like the big issue for him, but like for, for, for Luke, the big problem or the, the challenge he faced every day, especially being on the river guiding was just self-doubt, you know, hmm. is he a good enough guide? Is he doing a good enough job? Is his clients happy? Are the people he works alongside with on the river are, are they like cool with him is he accepted by the community as they would say you know and this kind of just became way more apparent as we started filming more and more it's like, man, this guy is really dealing with like the whole self-doubt thing and you know who isn't right yeah and fair. So the, the film slowly morphed into this uh from like this work-life balance fly fishing thing to like mental health and how uh, how to overcome self-doubt and uh, overcome the challenges you face in your own brain, you know, like you're, you're your own worst enemy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You said something earlier that kind of resonated with me when you were talking about nursing and you said mm-hmm. you really got to love people. And I think guiding is that too. It's like there's a lot of people get into guiding because they love fishing, but you better like people. 
Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, props to Scott, Kevin and Luke, these guys, uh, I could never be a guide, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't like people would... or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I would just struggle every day trying to teach people how to fish, you know, like I'd be, it would be so awesome to have people in the boat who, who knew how to fish, but you're always going to get people who don't know, right. You got to teach them and people learn differently and you, they, yeah, they also, yeah. you got to change your teaching style. So yeah, you really do got to love people. And, uh, it's definitely something I saw, uh, with Luke, you know, we went out on one of the days to film him and a client and, uh, you know, aside from the pressure of your guide telling you where to put things and, you know, to bend it and do this and do that. Now this camera is in front of the client, right? And <laughs> yeah. you could tell he was nervous <clears throat> and, you know, his, his casting could have been a little bit better here and there. And Luke was telling him like how to improve. But, you know, Luke was there for him. He was supporting him and, and he's still building this relationship. And you really do. Yeah, you really do got to love people in this career. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it ends up being sometimes what people remember from the trip. You know, like you might have a terrible day on the river. You're not catching anything. Your client is sitting there on the boat with you for eight hours and there's no fish in sight. Um, but if they're having a good time with you and they're laughing, I feel like that matters more. <sighs> At the end of the day, I think, you know, storytelling and capturing stories, it's, it's just like you, you're, you're always wanting to discover other people's stories. And I think the importance in that is we really can learn from each other and learn from each other's journeys. And, you know, happy place was truly a journey about finding solace in the things that make you happy, the people that really ultimately are the ones who help you through hard times. And so, you know, my message to anyone, like, watch the film. Um, it's not just about fly fishing. It's about your mental health. And just go out there. Find your happy happy place. Find the people who really spark joy in your life and pursue those things. Hmm. That's well put, man. You, you've, you've come up with some doozy quotes tonight. i got to be writing some of this stuff down. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, I'm the quote maker there for yeah. you. Trust me, man. <laughs> I can feel your passion, and I appreciate it. Before we let you go, let us know where we can find you. So, um, this is Gary Lewis out of Calgary, Alberta, Canada, video creator. Um, let, throw your Instagram, your YouTube, all your handles out there. Where, where, how do we follow along? Yeah, so you could probably find me on Instagram, like I'm most active on there uh, at Hook and Anvil. And uh, same handle for YouTube as well. That's where you can find a lot of my videos. And that's actually where you can find uh, my my latest fly fishing film, Happy Place. And uh, yeah, please give that a watch. It's uh, more than just a film about fly fishing. It's about mental health and just talking to other people and finding your happy place. Love it. Sounds like you found it. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Tight lines, my Thanks friend. Thanks so much, Mark. You as well. Bye now. Thanks for listening this time around uh, to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. We'll catch you next time. The Fly Fishing 97 podcast is brought to you by theflycrate.com. Thank you for listening to the Fly Fishing 97 podcast. Your feedback matters. Let us know if there's a person or topic you'd like discussed. Email us at mark at flyfishing97.com. Until next time, tight lines and we'll see you on the water. Thank you.